Hello, hello. This is News of the World. And it's not only a new edition, it's a special edition. We are going to concentrate on uh, a place this time. And apart from Bicycle Mark. Mark, where are you? Hello from Amsterdam, You're which doesn't look like Moscow. <laughs> doesn't. No. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Less traffic, more bicycles. Exactly. That's, Different language. That's good. That's how what you like. And we're also joined by uh, our new correspondent here. Uh, and we say hello to Daniel, Daniel Gonzalez in Bogota, Colombia. Hi, Tim. Hi, Mark. Hi, listeners. Ooh. It's really exciting to be <laughs> here with the news. Of the Welcome, world. Daniel. Yeah, it's world news, so we think we better, you know, invite the world to, you know, share more news. And we, we've decided that we're totally European-American focus, and we have to improve our skills in, you know, more areas. So we were mm -hmm. thinking about inviting you because you are dealing with politics in particular. Maybe you can say something about yourself, what you're doing. Well, I'm, I'm a political scientist and also an economist. I live in Bogota, and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm working with, with the government, uh, the re-elected government of President Santos, and I also like to follow the news, the politi political news, and, well, uh, we will see how mm -hmm. it is today with this Colombian special show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and, and of course, anytime you mention the uh, government, any government, the internet will start to get slow and we'll have all kinds of problems. That's just a coincidence, surely. <laughs> uh, let's start at the top of the mountain. Uh, and for me, I'm, perhaps because I'm living in Amsterdam, perhaps because it is a European thing, but of course, it's a worldwide tragedy. I'm talking about the Malaysia Airlines uh, shooting down of a passenger plane. It seems very bizarre to say shooting down of a passenger plane, but that is indeed what happened, although the investigation is still pending, and that becomes part of this news story. Uh, it's been, it was the day I left Moscow, not to make it all about me, but on Thursday, um, the flight going from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, as it passed over the region that we've been talking about on this program um, in, in Donetsk, it uh, was shot down by what apparently seems to be a um, surface-to-air missile, and we've already started to get some confirmation of the, 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 the fact that it was some kind of surface-to-air missile that came today. Many people are probably following this story, so we're surely not your number one source, but of course we can't help but mention it. Um, today, the train, the, the cooled train, the refrigerated train, went from uh, Kark well, arrived in Kharkiv, which is under Ukrainian control from the rebel controlled area. It's been a harrowing process. First of all, the, the bodies were, were taken to begin with by whom they were taken, which was the rebels, and then that they were in this train. Was the train going to leave the station? Um, and, and access to the media, access to investigators has been, I, I can say horrible, uh, that's a, an editorial of all this, but it, it has been horrible, and m every reporter that's there comes back with the similar story, so, so I'm going with the horrible. Um, the Malaysian government today had a press conference as they had the handover of the black boxes from the rebel leader, Alexei, what's his name, um, the handover of the black boxes, there was a negotiation to have these boxes, which 
one BBC reporter said, and I'll echo, is kind of a tragedy in itself, or a shame anyway, that you have to negotiate the handover of black boxes of a plane that's, that's been destroyed. But that's what's happened. So now, soon we'll hear something of the, what, what was said, at least in the cockpit, and what the data from the, the flight. Um, the Dutch are now in charge of this investigation in terms of uh, forensics. Uh, the bodies uh, of many of the victims will come here very soon. And of course, from the Russian side, there's still lots of um, press conferences and the regular phone calls with Putin where he he blames the Ukrainian government, or at least he says it's the responsibility of the Ukrainian government because it happened over the territory of what used to be the Ukraine or may still be where there's a war going on. Uh, this thing has so many layers. I don't expect any of us three to really um, peel them all. But what... Um, what a strange and horrible tragedy, and it just it goes from bad to worse in terms of the process of of you know investigation. I mean, there's no no good investigation is ever going to happen here. I think. Yeah, it looks like it, especially when it comes to the actual reason for the plane being shot down. I mean, the sort of Western view is that the surface-to-air missiles were actually from Russian. Uh, sources, Russian equipment that was handed over by Russia to these uh, rebels in the Donetsk area, which they were using, uh, especially in the last uh, weeks, to shoot down quite a few Ukrainian planes. So this is no news that these are in operation. And it's also pretty clear that the Ukrainian army isn't necessarily using this kind of weapon right now, because the rebels do not have any Uh, planes, you know, there's nothing uh, to shoot at. So the only party that actually has a, a, a real need to get this kind of weapons are the so-called pro-Russian rebels, whatever, whoever they really might be. Um, so in that sense, the facts look like this right now, you know, but I'm pretty sure Russia is coming up with a new spin, sort of turning it around. They are, and, and meanwhile, on the ground, uh, you know, I, I, I follow, and it's it's an amazing thing these days to be able to follow journalists that are there, camped. Um, one of our, our friends of this program, Olaf Kunz, is, is camped uh, at the site. He has been since day three. And uh, you get to hear what's happening on the ground or what isn't happening, which is pretty frustrating. Um, and including testimony from people, locals on the ground who actually believe, you know, a majority of people in that area believe that this was the Ukrainian government. I mean, this fits the narrative of their, the battle that they're involved in. I mean, even if you're not a soldier, you know, you live in this region and I guess you, you, you side with the people that are trying to keep planes from, Uh, not not passenger planes, obviously, but um, bombing your villages, or you know, they 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 think this is the Ukrainian government. That's what I don't know if it shocks me or it it, it gets my attention that both in to some extent in Russia, but never mind Russia. In this region, people see this, and they, they of course they see it's a tragedy, but they say, uh, look what the Ukrainian government is doing, and that here we have an information war uh, in in many senses of the word. Yes, it's just uh, continuing and we have to wait how this all turns out. Um, I wonder what the black boxes, you know, will tell, what kind of story they are telling. Yeah. yeah, It's funny or, well, funny is probably not the right word, but it's, it's really weird to see that uh, within three months, it's the same, very same airline that is hit by these two totally um, catastrophic aircraft. Yeah. I mean, usually... 
loss of every single life in a plane is really rare. Malaysia Airlines had it twice in three months and both under super weird circumstances. Uh, it's uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you want to add anything on this one, Daniel, but since you are in, in Colombia, maybe how the press covers it there. or I mean, here it's obviously an extremely dominant topic. Especially in, uh, in Holland. Yes. Yeah, Because most of them were, were Dutch people. Mm. Well, uh, here it, it has also a lot of press, but, um, but I don't know. I think you have said the basic aspects of, of it it's it's a tragedy and and we're also not so related to this conflict in between russia and ukraine so yeah it's it's an important news but um, the press is the news are more focused on on, on other aspects mm -hmm. so yeah i think we can move to Another, another. Yeah, no surprise. Let, yeah, 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 and exactly. and so here we go to to the next big world uh, news item again. Uh, you know, elements of a tragedy and loss of life going on, and and, and war and so forth. We're talking again about uh, Israel and Palestine and Gaza specifically. Um, we foreshadowed that this was coming. Uh, Israel did indeed launch a ground assault of Gaza. It's still going on now, as far as I know. Um, it's still called uh, Operation Protective Edge. This is a week three, but now this is the the ground uh, offensive. So they've entered into Gaza. Uh, the word is, or at least one of the main focuses is to destroy the tunnel network, um, which uh, I guess that's what they're working on. But of course, you're going into cities. You're, you're going into very urban areas. And there are all sorts of accounts of, of uh, casualties, casualties on both sides. But as you know, if an, a military goes into an urban area, there's going to be a lot of civilian casualties. And there have been. Uh, the numbers, according to Haaretz, uh, we got nine IDF soldiers, uh, so Israeli Defense Force soldiers killed. Uh, that was on Monday. So now the total number, 27, 27 soldiers. We've got 130 Palestinians um, since uh, this ground operation began. Of course, the death toll for Gaza is much higher. There was the airstrikes. And I'm, I'm focusing too much on numbers, perhaps, because we get back to this situation. What happens? What happens now? Is this, I mean, is this, is this the way to do it? Um, I think everybody can agree that this is extremely sad and, and not uh, what you want to be happening. You know, and Israel is dealing with the mixed reactions from the world. But as we talked about Netanyahu and this government, they do what they feel they need to do. And international reaction, it, it's not, it's not for nothing, but it's, it's not going to change uh, what's going on. Uh, I know a lot of my Palestinian friends in the West Bank are trying to get international attention, and they have been for years. Um, and uh, I don't know what you know what big change it makes in this, at least for this uh, ground assault. But it's going on; it's happening. You're going to hear about it, and I don't know how much longer it's going to take. Traditionally, in Israeli offensive actions, you you, you know it takes a, a month or less. Uh, the last big one I remember was uh, Lebanon in 2006, I believe. And here we are again. Uh, that's something that seems very similar. Yeah, I think we just have to wait and see uh, how this is turning out. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then do they run Gaza when this is over? Uh, for the last what decades they haven't. Are they going to? Are they going to try? I do wonder. 
but it doesn't seem like history tells us they'll just leave again. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's move into a bit uh, the region since we have Daniel with us today. Uh, this is still world news, and uh, there are actually a number of stories, of course, in the in the southern hemisphere, in the northern hemisphere, in the western hemisphere. Um, I, Daniel, you pointed this one out to me um, earlier that the U.S. is actually set to transfer. Uh, Guantanamo prisoners to Uruguay. Now, I, I'd lost track of this story, um, including this whole idea that they were going to close down Guantanamo. I, I never knew that there was even a date. Of course, that date has changed anyway. Um, yeah. But what's going on here? Why Why Uruguay? And then who? Who were they getting? Uh, well, uh, what, I, what I know is that there are going to be six prisoners. They're going to be released from Guantanamo prison and sent to Uruguay. Why Uruguay? I don't know. So, uh, well, this this was one of the of Obama's uh, campaign pro- promises that he's gonna uh, close the prison. So, uh, the last last date I uh, I I saw is he ha- the prison has to be closed uh, on on 2017 when Obama leaves the White House and. I don't know who mm-hmm. who they are, but are six prisoners. As I told you, I, I don't know why 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 Uruguay. Maybe because um, President Mujica is a a different kind of leader of a political leader, and well, that's not clear to me right now. But but they're gonna uh, begin on the first days days of August, so this could be news soon to to end this this prison and. Mm. We'll see. Just, just, just to summarize uh, Daniel's uh, words here, because I think the connection has been uh, iffy. Um, this was, yeah, uh, Mujica, the, the the president of Uruguay, who's an interesting guy. Uh, he's, he's the guy with the uh, Volkswagen Beetle, I believe. Um, he he's been opposed to the way detainees are treated at Guantanamo. Obviously, he's not alone in this world. But hey, he's the president of a country, and he said he would take uh, them in or some in. And that is what's happening. Um, the, the United States is releasing, uh, as, as you mentioned, Daniel, I think six uh, uh, detainees uh, and of different nationalities, not Uruguayan. And uh, there we go. You know, here's a man who puts uh, the expression, puts his money where his mouth is. Um, he doesn't just talk the talk, he does it. So uh, interesting. And indeed, there is this date, if they will meet it or not, I don't know. But for 2017, I believe, the closing of yeah. Guantanamo. But uh, yeah. But Muhisa for me is always very interesting. He's, I think of him as a very different leader from other yeah. presidents. Absolutely. But uh, maybe I'm putting him too high up. Hmm. Well, we didn't know. He's really, really popular in his country, and and you can see him uh, making the lines to get the social uh, or saved uh, health uh, services, and he he says he is like he lives like an another countryman, and he's not this. He has not a lot of uh, expensive life. It's a really different guy. But also he was really upset during the World Cup after the sanction uh, the, this Uruguay, Uruguay player uh, received. So, well, definitely he's a really interesting, um, I think, different leader. 
in, in, in South America. But when, mm. when it comes to football, they are all, you know, on yeah. the side of the national team. <laughs> I, are you saying he's, he's allowing a biter to go free, or at least he's defending a biter <laughs> when he shouldn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, here's, here's another item on our list. And uh, Daniel, another one you brought to me that I had not been following, shamefully, as a host here of News of the World. Uh, the BRICS Summit. Uh, the, the, now, the BRICS are the, the nations of... Uh, who, what do you have to do to be in the BRICS? <laughs> a, a, a rising economy? Yes, with an emerging economy. So, so they, they had the BRICS summit, um, and one of the big announcements uh, coming from this group of nations is that they're going to make a development bank along the lines of a IMF or a World Bank. Uh, we have these dominant forces in the world, but why not another one? And uh, it's going to be based, although I think they're still debating, but I heard initially Shanghai is where the headquarters would be of the new development bank. And uh, the idea is um, an, an alternative to this U.S. and Europe-dominated uh, uh, bank system, especially when it comes to loans and assistant programs. Of course, China is one of the major forces uh, behind this bank, and of course, that's where a lot of criticism comes from. Um, let's see, four of the major BRIC members are, of course, China, India, Brazil, and Russia. Russia is part of the BRICs, so, so there is a tie-in to our... Our current uh, conflict in the world, which, as we know, it's not just about uh, territory; so, it's it's much more about economics. In South Africa too. I, I, I don't know if you mentioned it. South Africa. Oh, South. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. Right. So th there it is. I mean, but what what is this, Daniel? Is this uh, simply the search for a third way in this world, or never mind a third way, perhaps a second way, since? So much well, is dominated by these World Banks and IMFs. So uh, about BRICS meeting, uh, it's, it's, it's the second time uh, China's president visits the region since he was elected in office in March two, two, 2013. And the main thing of the meeting, I think, is that the focus of, this meet, of, of, of it is more about economics and development than about security or defense or, or, or defense. Uh, so it is known that Brazil is the main exporter of iron to the China. And China is also uh, meeting with Argentina's government to try to restructure their debt problems with these old debt crisis they are facing in the last uh, months. And also uh, China government uh, was reunited with they, they were with Cuban government to try to make um, to help uh, to Venezuela to be, to to do a, a better uh, economic de development because Venezuela's right now uh, after Chavez's death is are, is not in in his great uh, mood so. I think that the focus principle is on economics, and and they are trying to to gain support uh, in the region, and and, and I, I don't know. But basically, that's that's what I think. Yeah, it's an interesting development. Um, you know, it, it it reminds me, although now it's it's much more global. But you know, many like a decade or more ago, in the in the days of. Um, 
when Brazil was trying to head up this, you know, Mercosur to make it stronger and again have this, yeah. in that case, it was a union um, along the lines of a or European Union or or NAFTA or just the idea that there's there are other forces in this world that are rising that that should be able to do things like development projects and loan money and so forth. So this this seems like another chapter in um, in an interesting development for for a world that isn't just run by one, two, or, or 27 nations. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. since uh, having started on the idea of, of Development Bank and, and some of the things going on in Brazil, let's go to Colombia since we have you here, Daniel. Uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting time right now in Bogota, I think. Uh, just two or three days ago, yes. you had the, yes. the opening of a new Congress and you have not a new president, but a second-term president in Santos. Yeah. Um, what's the word? The new mandate, four more years, what is the big plan, and what is expected? Well, uh, after the, the general elections we had in Colombia, uh, from a new Congress and the re-election re of President Santos, I think we can get like two main conclusions. The first one is that there is, for the first time in this century, uh, a clear message from the people to the government to foster a negotiated end to the civil conflict with FARC. And as some of you know, FARC is one of the oldest guerrilla in the world. Mm -hmm. And the second me uh, message is that this is the first time former President Uribe loses an election. He was elected... On 2002, he was re-elected on 2006, and um, on 2010, his candidate, Juan Manuel Santos, was elected. So, this time, uh, President Uribe was, um, was in the opposition of the government, and this is the first time he, he lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he lost. So... We will, we will have uh, – this is not going to be the first time a former president uh, is elected as a senator. Uh, uh, he was he – he had a, a really, really good uh, broadcast uh, for, for the Senate, but he's one of the most uh, popular presidents in the current history of the, of the country. So he's he, he's gonna be like uh, he he's gonna have a, a really strong and fierce opposition to President Santos and basically the the thing they are uh, opposing is the peace talks with the FARC. The FARC uh, is the Colombian Rebel Armed Forces, mm -hmm. and and President Santos uh, started a. Uh, a peace talks with them uh, two years ago. So I don't know, maybe from some background about Colombian civil conflict, uh, in the present day, there are two main uh, rural guerrillas, uh, the one I told you, FARC, the Colombian Rebel Armed Forces, and uh, the ELN, the National Liberation Army. They both were created uh, during the mid-60s, and recent studies uh, have pointed out that in the last 50 years, three from each 10 Colombian deaths were caused by the civil conflict. 
and there have been nearly 220,000 uh, 220, deaths since 1958 related to the conflict. And as you can figure out, there have been multiple violations of human rights uh, by every arm, armed actor, both illegal and legal armies. We have had like a complete mix of armed forces here in the country. So uh, returning to the facts of the last election, although President Santos uh, made official the beginning of the peace talks during September or October of 2012, he was elected, as I uh, told you, as the successor of former President Uribe. And when he started the mm -hmm. peace talks, uh, as opposed to a military approach to the end of the conflict, it was seen as a betrayal from the President Santos to the people who elected him four years ago. He was elected with a clear mandate to foster a military approach to end the conflict, but after he was elected, um, he decided otherwise. Uh, President Santos is known as one of the... He's from one of the uh, elite families of the, of the country, his family uh, owned the main uh, newspaper called El Tiempo. Uh, so he had like this political power uh, after before President Uribe. So he has been uh, seen as, a, 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 as as betraying the people. Um, so. So this is like the first thing about the, the new Congress. It's called the Congress of the Peace. And um, why why is this going to, at least from the FARC side, why is this happening now? Like, why are they so ready to negotiate? Are they just tired and, and out of resources or, or they like Santos better? Well, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of, of, of facts. Uh, Santos, uh, he has been like obsessed with the, the peace of Colombia uh, from, you know, a lot of time ago. Uh, he, this is like, he, he says he's obsessed with it and his, he, he dreams of Colombia and peace and, and, and right now he's the president. And besides that, uh, the situation of, of, of FARC guerrilla during President Uribe uh, mandate was really difficult because President Uribe was a really a really good um, military uh, leader. So he he had a lot of of military victories against the guerrilla. So I think there this is the like a moment in which Fork maybe is is trying to to learn from their mistakes of the of the past uh, and and and. And I think they seem as as an historical opportunity uh, not to be like killed in the military and 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 try to uh -huh. I don't know maybe be with a, a government that that is trying to to make the things easier for them. So in a way they are in a weak position. That's that's how I yes. see it. After all those uh, military successes by the government, they're really more or less desperate. But you yes, know, these peace talks are going on for two years now. So, is there any progress? 
Well, uh, one of the of the main aspects of the of the peace talks was that there are, are being taken place on on Havana. Uh, each part of the of the process, both government and FARC, uh, and FARC has a, rep- a, a team, a negotiation team who is repre- representing them, and the peace talks are kept um, private to the to journalists, to the politicals, uh, oppositions, and, and, and other politicians, and the people in general. Uh, so why is, why is that? Because this is not the first time uh, Colombian government starts a negotiation process, a peace talks with with the guerrilla. And last one was in 1998, and it was a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they they tried to learn from the government tried to learn from the mistakes and and they just um, define five aspects that the talks will consist. So there are five points about uh, what both FARC, FARC and government are going to to be uh, discussing, and nothing else. And th- these points are the an agrarian development policy, because of, of the biggest uh, the biggest problem of, of Colombia, I think, is the the agrarian policies because of inequality and because uh, landlords and a lot of countrymen and peasants that that don't have a really good uh, way of, of of life on 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 the on the on the rural areas. The second point is mm-hmm. the political participation of the rebels. The third point uh, is illegal drugs. You know this. Uh, I think this is like the engine of the conflict in Colombia. The illegal drugs and. The fourth point is the victims, about victims and how are we going to repair them of their suffering. And the fifth point is about the end of the conflict. So what it has been said is that the peace talk is going is going to be about those five specific topics. And after they have partial agreements, um, uh, all the content is going to be discussed by by the people and and we as a Colum- as a Colombian country we have to countersign with a, via referendum uh, the final agreement and, and and as Tim recently asked me we have um, partial agreements on three of the five aspects the agrarian development policy the political participation of the rebels uh, illegal drugs and right now they're talking about victims and the way of the reparation mm-hmm. um, I, uh, one, one last point is that's also the main concern of the people in Colombia is they don't know what's going on in Habana and because of the history with FARC there's a lot of distrust of what is really really being uh, it's happening there so that's one of, of the of the main concerns. Uh, we're not knowing what's going on there. Are you giving mm. away the country to the FARC? Uh, what, what's what's the thing? Um, but the usual answer of the government to those, those things is that every agreement is going to be countersigned by the people. Mm. Wow. What 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 do you expect? How much time 
this process is still going to need before it, you know, gets to some kind of end. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's another concern. I also have it. And it's because, as, as I told you, the peace talk began on September, October of of 2012. And, uh, and, and, and the government said that it's going to be quicker than that it has actually been. So that that was one of the main things that put on risk Santos' re-election because the people was uh, losing the faith on the process. And, 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 mm -hmm. and you know, we have three of the five points uh, with partial agreement. So mm -hmm. I think FARC... Uh, received the message of the risk of the continuation of the peace process, and 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 I hope they are uh, they're like doing it quicker uh, for the best of the country. But I definitely support the the peace process. I think uh, after the the background I gave you, all the deaths and 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 the suffering of most of of more of the, of the people in the country. This is like an historical opportunity for uh, ending yeah. the conflict. Yeah. And, and what's impressive is that list that you went over of the points that they have to agree on, the five points, in fact. Um, those are points that a lot of conflicts in this world have never managed to agree on, and that's part of why the post-conflict life isn't, isn't, doesn't work very well. Um, we can make a long list of conflicts from the last 20 years where uh, you, didn't, you didn't talk about the victims, you didn't talk about uh, agreements uh, exactly. with, with rebels. So, so it's taken a long time, um, but it, it seems very noble and uh, potentially uh, the type of peace that could really work if it all, works, if it all gets agreed on. Uh, so very impressive stuff when it comes to peace negotiation, uh, albeit slow. Um, I noticed this. I was looking around at the uh, English sources for news from Colombia, and I ran into, I've heard of it before, I ran into Columbia Reports, which does things in English, and I saw the article, and I'm sure this is a topic that's been heavily discussed in, uh, in, in Colombia, but uh, at this point, well, over the past four years, 10% of Colombia's Congress, uh, the different houses, have been kicked out. Uh, and this is for reasons such as yes. sometimes it's just a uh, conflict of interest because they're family members of someone also in government or, or it's, it's some kind of legal thing, but also for corruption, of course, investigations. It's an impressive list and it crosses party lines. Uh, the, the amount of people that have been kicked out of Congress in Colombia, it looks like a real turn in, in, you know, cleaning house and a new beginning. Yeah. Does it feel that way in Colombia? Absolutely, absolutely. You have to, to 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 differentiate between the congressmen who are kicked out because of corruption and doing like uh, things against law. That's normal from I think all the countries. And those congressmen who were kicked out because of their r relationships with a. Uh, armed illegal forces. So since 2005, 2006, there, there were a lot of, of research and, and public denounces about uh, some, some congressmen who were 
really close to the paramilitar, to the auto defense uh, from Colombia. And that they gain support, support, both arm support and boats support uh, for their election. So I, I think this cleaning house as a as a good uh, as a good thing sign of of what's going on here and, and and trying to to refresh the congressman and to have well a better politicians. So although it's 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 something like impressive. I I, I see it as a as a good uh, fact. Yes, and it and this leads us to uh, the bigger picture. Really, uh, oh, I squeaked quick, bigger, bigger, bigger picture. Uh, the coming out year for Colombia. Uh, I, I mean, that's what I'm calling it. Um, I, I read in Forbes, and you know, if Forbes is writing about you, something's going on with money. Um, but it's not just Forbes. You know, I, I, I read this long article in Al Jazeera about changes in the image of Colombia, but. Uh, image aside, because I think that will come along, um, things are changing when it comes to employment, investment, uh, uh, even, and you mentioned Venezuela before, things going very complicated in that country since the death of Chavez or maybe even before, but a lot of immigration, people coming to work in in this new Colombia or Colombia that, that's now having its, its uh, big step forward. Um, do you see that when you look around uh including where you live uh this this new economic outlook for for the country yeah you know there's a like a funny fact from this week uh, there's the for the first time uh, we got a starbucks coffee <laughs> store wow. so this was in last yeah. congratulations as, you know well I, I don't know if if it's like a congratulations people is is, is like really upset because you know the tradition of the colombian coffee and we have these juan valdez stores everywhere and <laughs> why is the starbucks coffee and why people is but uh, i think that's that's like uh, as mark is saying uh, it's like a, a new picture of, uh, of of colombia and outside so uh, and i'm also in the last two year, two years there there has been uh, like two Two million of, of new jobs created, and 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 I think that uh, also the, the good jobs created because we also have problem of informal jobs, and and and, and I think you, you you can see it. You can you can see it in Bogota. It's it's like although we have also a lot of problems with traffic and. Yeah. And the air pollution, and mm -hmm. I think that's both in security and, and, and on, on economics, we're doing in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking at some of the you know the the, the numbers and the details, and you get let's see, Colombia now is the third largest uh, economy in Latin America. It's now larger than Argentina. I think that's one big change recently. Um, and you know, just in terms of the the industries that are that do well you mentioned coffee of course that continues to be important uh you've got even oil and gas uh, the big names uh, around the world these days yeah. uh gold I, I i think i read some oh emeralds the world's largest producer of emeralds i mean if even if you're just into raw materials 
Colombia is very interesting uh, and is doing a lot. But then, as you said, there's this whole question of you know real jobs, and that's interesting. If that's yeah. what's happening in Colombia, where it's no longer this informal economy or these little you know Starbucks jobs, although I understand that's that's part of it. Um, but but real um, uh, careers can be made in Colombia more yeah. than before, and that could be a great thing. Could be. Yeah. Although we have. We have seen like in, in, you you you're familiar familiar and, uh, with those. Oh, go ahead, sorry. go ahead. With, with the PISA exams of education, uh, so Colombia was was measured and 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 it it it, it was really like uh, it was it ranked like last in in a lot of things on those on those exams. So uh, there is a lot of of things to do on education and. And I think that's that's one of the, the the main problems of the actual government, and and one of of this of the things you have to we have to improve a lot. Uh, education is not as good as as it should be, and so so there's a lot of, of, of things to do on education and 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 to have to take care of what of what we're going to do with with the gold, the oil, and because. There's also, uh, I, I think, for example, FARC guerrillas are, yeah, uh, are, are financiated a lot, of, but with illegal gold. So there are a lot of, of, of things to, to have care of how we are developing and how we are uh, getting into this big picture. But uh, well, we will see. I, I, I've heard that. I think we, we uh, even reported this here on News of the World recently that gold is more or less now the number one source of, of financing for yeah. uh, these Fark. groups. For Fark. More than drugs yeah. have done it. Yeah. So what, what do you think, what's, what is the next um, most important step that, that Colombia has to take apart from these uh, peace talks? Well, um, what comes next? Uh, two months ago, uh, the ELN, the, EL, uh, the other guerrilla I told you about, uh, said that they're going to start peace talks with government too. Uh -huh. So that's really good news. Uh, maybe Uruguay is going to be the host of the, of the talks. So I think first mm -hmm. they have to finish to end the, the, the peace talks and uh, try to make the best agreement to go on, uh, but to finish the conflict. And then we need a lot of structural reforms on justice and education, on health, because as, as, as you can probably imagine, the main concern for, for all the people in, in the last years is the peace and how to and security so right now security is going to you know in the in the different polls security has been has taken the lower lowest uh, like items of importance mm -hmm. right now people is, is as it should be people is concerning more about jobs about economy about the health so i think the next step to make a really good uh, transition uh, from the word to the not word time uh, is to 
support these agreements with really good structural reforms for the people and for improving their quality of life. I think that should be what the government yep. has to be focused on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. So an interesting time. Uh, uh, and again, a tie-in. Actually, I just saw the tie-in to Uruguay with, with uh, potential peace talks to come there with the ELN. Yeah. Uh, what I've learned today is that in the end, everything comes back to Uruguay, whether you're in Guantanamo <laughs> or you're biting shoulders or you're driving a Volkswagen Beetle or, or you're in line for healthcare. It all comes back to, <laughs> to Uruguay. Or, or, or if you're trying to tell to the world that, come on, let's legalize. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I see the calls in Colombia for legalized marijuana as well. That comes up in a lot of the uh, English language uh, news yeah. anyway for Colombia. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up for today, but uh, I want to do something we often do on this program, which is recommend some news sources. Now, I mentioned columbiareports.co. That's an English language uh, collective that that pulls some stuff from mainstream media but also has some original reporting. I think that's a good source. Daniel, you recommended La Silla Vacia, the is that the empty seat? Exactly. Yes. Uh, and and that's a uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's uh and recently it it was uh, created like i think 5 years ago and it's an independent uh, source for political news of colombia they're focus they're focusing principal on on the way the power is uh, is is taken and, and and the way the power is and the political power uh, yeah, it's being used <laughs> in, yeah it's been yeah, exactly it's been used in colombia so uh, I, I definitely recommend th- this website. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's on Spanish, as the most no things uh, you <laughs> can see in of Colombia. But but they're 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 quite good, and and they are also involved in this. They're trying to to make like this data journalism sometimes, and 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 to use uh, news uh, new media and and things like that so it's just a, a website mm-hmm. but uh, it has been really important in the last uh, year so i definitely recommend it for someone who who who, who wants to be uh, who, who wants to know about a political process in colombian uh, and it's in spanish lasillavacia.com.com cool Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Daniel Gonzalez. You've done a, a great job as our as our uh, first correspondent uh, elsewhere in the world. You're a brave man for taking on this difficult job. Uh, uh. <laughs> all the listeners are are looking to you for answers instead of me and Tim. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks so much, and and for sure we'll hear from you again in the future. Uh, Tim, did I did I miss anything? Do you want to add anything? Um. Well, not 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 really. Um, hopefully, we'll you know get to a point where we have a larger group of correspondents, so we can both focus more on you know certain countries like we did it today, or have just better responses to some world news that is you know in a region where we don't know so much about or have trouble mm-hmm. finding information. Yeah. Um, let's see how this uh, turns out. Yeah. All right, and uh, and so you will all come along with us, audience, for uh, this one and all future uh, experiments and endeavors. Uh, but for now, thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with you really soon. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. Daniel. Bye, Jim, Mark. <laughs>